Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 240, From a Small Life with Health Anxiety to Hiking the Grand Canyon with Crystal Seltrelli. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. This conversation is with change coach Crystal Seltrelli, and this is her second time on Changeable. So you can check out her first one. It was probably about maybe a year and a half ago. Um, Crystal works with people with gastroparesis, but she also works in with all kinds of issues. Um, she is such an expert when it comes to health and especially uh, gastroparesis. But she also is someone who like really has been impacted by this understanding that we share and she lives it and breathes it and is super creative. And there's just a lot that I love about Crystal. So it was so fun to have this conversation that you're going to listen to because Crystal came into my life a long time ago. I don't even know now how long it was, at least probably five or six years ago. And she was really struggling with anxiety at that time. And as you'll hear her, her talk about that was an ongoing journey for a while with always worrying about her health and she had some health issues and that kind of got her mind going, you know, so worrying about her health, but then like so many people, um, what makes sense to us in the moment and me too, when I was struggling with this is to just stay safe by keeping our life very small. So because she was, her mind was producing all this anxiety and she was worried about something bad happening. She stopped traveling for a long time. When she finally did go back to traveling, it was only under certain conditions and she needed to be somewhere with a lot of people and a lot of medical professionals just in case and all kinds of conditions. And I've gotten to watch Crystal. It's been amazing to see all of this just sort of fall away. Like she's just kind of bloomed and come out of all of that thinking. Um, over many years. And what happened is last spring, she decided she wanted to hike the Grand Canyon. Now, she and her family had been traveling. She, you know, has been largely free from a lot of this for, for a little bit now. So they had, her world had been getting bigger and they had been traveling and doing things. And this idea showed up for her. And I love how this happens you know, it's just an idea that showed up and just wouldn't go away. It just wouldn't let go. And I don't mean in a, um, and like, it wasn't like, you know, she wasn't obsessed with it or anything, but it was like, oh yeah, I can do that. And you hear her tell it and she tells it much better than I can. But I love that. Like the genesis of something big, it just starts with a thought, but it's a different kind of thought. You know, it's a thought that just has so much life. And from there, things just sometimes kind of line up and and sometimes they don't. Sometimes there's challenges and obstacles. And that's awesome too, because you'll see that whatever this nudge is, it pulls us through all of that. We don't have to do it. And when Crystal shares her story of how she went from, you know, being afraid to leave the house to having this idea to within a few months, she and her husband were hiking the Grand Canyon and not just hiking at the Grand Canyon, but going to the bottom, camping there, which very few people do, and then going all the way to the top. It was a big deal what they did. And it's especially a big deal, you know, given how small her world had been for many years. So I love how she tells it. I love that she was excited to tell the story. It, you can really feel like, wow, this is like a, a 
coming home in a sense for her and her health. And I'm just so happy for her. And I just think it's so inspirational to hear this. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Thank you so much for coming back on Changeable. This is your second time. Yeah. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm excited to hear about your adventure hiking the Grand Canyon. So I know there's a lot um, a lot that you saw through the preparation, through the doing of it as you've reflected. But I, I guess to start it off, to give it a little bit of context, I think it's a huge deal no matter who you are. Um, but I know for you, you had a lot of anxiety for many years. Um, maybe not so much recently, but say a little bit about, yeah, kind of your history with that and and how that plays into to what you just accomplished. So yeah, I struggled with anxiety for, I mean, I don't know, I would say my whole life, really, looking back most of my life. Um, but it got really significant for me after my daughter was born, which was 10 years ago now, to the point where, you know, I was scared to leave the house. I was scared to be at home, but I was more scared to leave the house. And so um, the idea for me of doing something like not just going far away, you know, to the Grand Canyon. I live in in New York, but being at the bottom of the Grand Canyon where there are no hospitals. You know, I used to, if we had to travel, I'd be like, well, what's the closest hotel to the hospital? Just in case, you know, I, um, health anxiety was kind of like my flavor of anxiety. And so I worried a lot about my health and my well-being and my safety from a health perspective. And so, um, it was a complete departure from what I would have thought possible even five years ago, really. I mean, I had been seeing a lot through this understanding, through working with you. I became a change coach. Um, and my anxiety has kind of fallen away in a lot of layers. But this for me was kind of the ultimate. It honestly almost felt like a homecoming in a way. Like I was coming back to what was underneath all of that anxiety for me. That's awesome. And so I know in the past few years, you've there have been a lot of leaps before this. Like I remember hearing about you, and this is maybe still four, four or five years ago, but like you were taking these cross-country trips and like starting to do things, um, yeah, that I know were a stretch. Is that right? And, I, and you also have a daughter with food allergies, right? So even just the hospital, I'm just imagining like the whole health anxiety, because I remember the same thing, like, where where's my water? I always had to have water and you always have to know where everything is. And I would imagine some of that was compounded with having a daughter with food allergies too, like just to put that much more in your mind. But as a family, you've been traveling. So do you feel like that, like this is something you've kind of leaned into over the past several years then? Yes, definitely. I mean, for me, when I was really struggling with anxiety, I could, this, I mean, I was a grown adult, but I could only travel with my mom because she felt like my safe person. So if we were going on a trip with my husband and my daughter, we went with my parents because there was something in that that felt like safety. And so kind of the first thing I started to realize is I want to go on a trip with just my husband and my daughter. And we did that. I remember it. It was in 2018 because that was a big deal for me to be able to do that without my, you know, quote unquote, safe person. And I think with like every step along the way, 
I just started to see how capable I really was. And that's something I think will come up as we talk more about the hike. But um, yeah, it was kind of these smaller steps. You know, we went, we went to Disney World was our first trip um, as just a family. And that felt safe to me in a lot of ways because, well, I knew they had their own fire department and their own emergency services and like there was help around. And then we started to expand and go on RV trips and stay in the middle of nowhere. And so it was really like little bits at a time um, until this past March. So March of 2022, we actually were at the Grand Canyon on an RV trip and we were hiking the rim trail around the top of the canyon. And I just, I just looked at the bottom and was like, I want to go there. And it almost felt like in that moment, it almost felt like it was done. Like I am going there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't trained for it. I, you know, hadn't been working out consistently. Um, I certainly wasn't going to do it then, but um, it was almost like, you know, I said kind of like a homecoming is what it felt like when I got there, but like, it almost felt like it reawakened something in me of realizing like, I can do things that push my boundaries in really big ways. You know, when I was younger, I was always the one who wanted to do all kinds of adventures. You know, my parents would let us pick what we wanted to do over a summer. My brother wanted to stay at home and go to day camp. And I was like, I want to go somewhere I've never been. I want to get far away from from here. And it, it felt like I realized kind of in that moment, like, that's still there. And, and it, it, as I was kind of shedding, you know, to me, it feels like kind of a shedding of these layers of anxiety. It was like that just started to kind of rise up on its own. And um, so that was in March and we ended up hiking in November. Wow. I love that. Like just the knowing that that just, it was just going to mean something to you. And like you said, even just sort of that decision in March sort of was it. It's like that the shift, the shift did happen. Like I want, even wanting to go there and knowing you could go there is probably, you know, that was almost as significant as actually doing it. And that's, yeah, like I, and I get what you mean about, like I can feel how for you, it's like, oh yeah, this is still here. This is me, like remembering that old spirit of yours that's just been a little covered up from anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there was, we were talking about what things were like for me, you know, certainly 10 years ago, but even, you know, six years ago, like I couldn't even go to Target without having a panic attack, you know? And so the idea that I'm standing there looking a mile down to the bottom of this huge canyon and just knowing like, yeah, I can go there. Yeah. It didn't really even make sense to my mind, Yeah, but it was like, I felt it like, yeah, I can do that. Wow. And then I wanted to actually do it and feel it. Yeah. So how did that go? Once you made the decision and your husband did it with you, right? He did. Yes. So how did you have to convince him? Was he like, how, how was that whole process? Yeah. Um, exercise is not like his idea of a good time. Um, I, you know, grew up always working out fitness, like playing sports. So I, I like being active and working out and that's just, he, d- he does not. That's not fun for him. Um, but it didn't take a lot of convincing. And I think because he could see how important it was to me. And obviously, he has been a witness to just the huge change in um, 
my anxiety levels and, and even the fact that, you know, we're doing all these things. And so, um, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it with you. It was kind of an abstract concept at first, though. I think he agreed maybe thinking like we wouldn't actually do it. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, there are cabins at the bottom of the canyon and, uh, not many. So usually it's a lottery system and you win a spot for like a year from now. So it, it kind of seemed far away. Um, I felt like I couldn't wait a year. So I just, every, every day would go on and look for a cancellation. And so it was probably July before we actually said, okay, we're going in November. We got the reservation. We know when we're going. And then it kind of became real. And then, you know, I had to be like, okay, like we have to start training, you know, here are the things you have to do. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a really great experience, I think, for both of us. And I think he, we haven't talked specifically about this, but I mean, I think he probably saw a lot through it too about his own capabilities and, and you know, what, what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. That those stories we carry around, they're not even necessarily conscious all the time, but maybe if he just feels like I'm not an active person, I don't like this kind of stuff, just even stuff like that. It's not like it impacts your everyday life in a way that you're super aware of, but it's there. And for him to get stretched outside of what he would normally do, I'm sure it, it woke some, some of that up for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so from like January to November, did you freak out at any point? <laughs> did you think like, what are we doing? Did it, did anything waver there? You know, what's so interesting is it really didn't like, I feel like this was like the easiest, hardest thing I've ever done. And not that, you know, there weren't days of training where like I didn't want to work out or it felt hard or I was, you know, had doubts going through my head of like, you know, are we going to be able to do this? But I feel like there was just such a a knowing that I could do this, that it was almost like, just following the steps that were occurring to me. And, you know, I mean, like I said, there were days where it was like, I don't want to work out. And there was a lot I kind of learned in that of, you know, there were days where my body was tired and didn't want to work out. And my brain would say, no, you have to, you know, you have to stay on your plan. And seeing how different that felt than the days where like my mind was like, oh, we don't want to work out today. Like we're too tired. And my body knew I could do it, you know? So even I think there were, there were moments where it was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, and actually now as I'm talking, I would say the one time where I really, my mind got really busy was right before we left. And, um, I do kind of have like a, a, a habit of thinking where right before a big thing, whether it's a decision or an activity or whatever, you know, my mind will kind of be like, eh, just kidding. Like maybe we didn't really want to do this, you know? And my daughter got sick the week before we left and she was pretty sick. And so there, it was kind of up in the air. Like, are we going to go? Like, we're not going to leave her if she's really sick. If we get sick, we're not going to be able to go. And when it turned out, you know, the couple of days before, like, nope, we're going, things are good. My mind did kind of say like, oh, but you have a really good excuse to not do this now, you know, like the, the the prudent thing to do is just, let's just stay home and make sure we'll reschedule. But I could really just see that as like a lot of mind chatter, you know, to save 
to save me, quote unquote, from the discomfort, from the uncertainty, from the hard work. Um, And so, you know, there was nothing that really felt like compelling more. There was nothing that felt more compelling than kind of that, that drive to do it. Yeah. Was the outcome really important to you? Like, was your mind really about like, oh, what if we don't make it? And was it that? Or was it more just that you were getting on a plane and going to to attempt this? The latter. Yeah. I mean, it was really, I think it was really just like, we're, we're doing, we're doing this. Like, we're really doing this. You know, it was an idea and it was like a fun vision, but like now we're really doing this. And some of the old thinking around, you know, there's no help at the bottom. Like, what are you going to do if you have an emergency? I mean, there are helicopters and they can, they can help you, but you know, there's no hospital at the bottom. There are no doctors at the bottom. Um, And so some of that old thinking did come up. And I think the difference for me now than when I couldn't go to Target, because what happens if I have a medical emergency in Target was just these small steps that we've talked about have built my own confidence and like my capabilities and my resilience. And I think my trust in life that like, I don't know if something happens, we'll figure it out. But otherwise this is, this is the path I'm being led down. Yeah. Yeah. When when like your mind goes to a worst case scenario or there's no help or that kind of thing. Um, and maybe, maybe this isn't really something you can answer because it might be just different all the time, but do you feel like you're sort of just seeing that in a different way? Like, like, is it sort of like, Oh yeah, that's what my mind likes to say in these scenarios. Or is it, or is it sometimes more like you just feel a little bit gripped by that, but you find yourself just moving through, or maybe it's a little bit of both of those. Yeah. I mean, I think probably a little bit of, of both. Um, I think there's just like a little bit of space between it now, which even saying that, I feel like if if you asked me, you know, eight years ago, I'd be like, I don't know what that means. You know, like that sounds so vague. Like, what does that mean? There's space. It's it's thoughts in your head. But um I I think it just it's not that I don't feel it, right? It's not that I don't kind of get that, you know, for me, I feel a lot of this like in my stomach, you know, that like kind of Ugh, butterfly kind of feeling in my stomach of like, oh, what if, what if something does go wrong? But it just, it's more fleeting now, I think, because I don't then go down the cascade of like, okay, well, I mean, if something does go wrong, let me look up, like, how does a rescue work? And how does... Things that used to, I think, look like preparation to me or like planning or like, I'm just going to get a lot of information. So I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that just prolonged the yeah. <laughs> thinking that about ironic? it. <laughs> it really feels like, oh, if I know these things, I'll feel so much better. And it does like the exact opposite. It's, yeah. 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 And so even, I mean, one of my big, really big um, 
specific health anxieties was around blood clots. And so flying, even flying from New York to Arizona, like that would have been a huge deal for me at one point because you have to be on an airplane and then it makes, you know, whatever. Um, and, and those thoughts on a long flight still come up and they came up on our trip. But instead of like obsessively doing my leg exercises, you know, for four hours or five hours so that there's no moment where my blood is stagnant, you know, it might be something that like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, let's do a few, you know, ankle stretches and calf raises. And then just like allow my attention to go elsewhere. And, And I think that's what it feels like to me now more than like, I think there was a point where it felt like I had to divert my attention from what I was worried about. Mm -hmm. And now it feels more like just allowing it to go somewhere else instead of keeping it right there with my planning and my, you know, information. Yeah. I love that. That really feels just so much more natural and so right. And that in diverting your attention is still very anxious. I can't think this, I have to go over here, you know, where it's just like, no, let me just let go. Let me just relax into this for a minute. And then of course your attention does go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So how was the actual hike? Like, how, yeah, tell, tell us how that went. It was great. It was, it was really great. So um, the way down was easier, obviously, as you would expect than the way up, but challenging in its own ways. Um, but the way down, I feel like I just had so much, I just couldn't believe I was there. And like, I couldn't believe I was doing this. and. Um, it was a really, it was just a really, um, I mean, it, it sounds cliche, but like, it was just a beautiful experience to me, like the way down. And I didn't have a lot of thinking other than like, wow, you know, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're doing this. The trail that we took down, it's called the South Kaibab Trail. It's very like expansive views. You know, you can see the whole canyon as you're descending and it's just, um, it's just awe-inspiring. And so um, the way down was wonderful. We stayed the night at the bottom. Um, I think what was interesting to me was I definitely had moments of like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I did this. I'm so proud. But then I also had like the idea of what my brain thought I was going to be experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, like it thought I was just going to be like transcendent and like, right. <laughs> I am changed. I am a new person. And so there was a little bit of noticing that like, isn't that funny that like, you know, my brain made up an idea of like what I should be experiencing, you know, in this moment. And even on the way up, I'll talk about that a little bit too. But um I did have a moment sitting at the bottom. There's like a, a little amphitheater where sometimes park rangers will give talks and I was sitting there all by myself. It was a beautiful day uh, once we got down. And I was just thinking about like the, so at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, the rocks are 1.8 billion years old, super wow. old, much more, much older than the canyon itself. The canyon is, I think, like 200 million years old. But, you know, those rocks have been mountains and they've, they've been here for, for billions of years. And it, the thought just occurred to me at the bottom of the canyon sitting there that the, the, the resilience kind of at the core versus like the impermanence of the form. Mm, yeah. 
And there was something about that that like really spoke to me. I, I think particularly to, you know, the health anxieties that I had had and, and all of this, this really tight grip that it felt like I had to have on my form, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of, it just occurred to me, it wasn't like I was trying to like draw conclusions or anything, but it just, it kind of felt like this is true for everything yeah. and, and me too. And so that was kind of one of those moments I think that my brain was expecting, yeah. um, but it was, it was fleeting. And then it was like, okay, when, when is it time to eat? Cause I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, that's amazing though. If you think about, yes, the, like what those rocks have been through in over a billion years sitting there, they have been through some stuff <laughs> and you think about what we go through and yet they're still sitting there and they're still okay, you know, and it's like, Yes, everything else is so fleeting and changing, even over a billion years, but still, like everything is just so in flux. And I love that, that it just felt like, oh yeah, there's there's that in me too. That's always been okay. And and I think it's so cool too to just see like that adventurous spirit too. Like to just kind of be a little reunited with that. Like, oh yeah, you're still here. And that's just and that's not even the deepest essence of it but it's so cool like like just in the process of this to see that stuff uncovered that's been there the whole time and I love what you're saying too about how it wasn't all you know profound (laughs) and you weren't like flying or anything you know it wasn't like totally expansive the whole time and I, I think that's so fascinating to see I remember like even being in childbirth and having some random question like what like something popped in my head like what time is it and I remember thinking like I'm having a baby right now. <laughs> Why do I care what time, you know, but it, it's so human and it's so funny. It just shows us how our mind works. Like we are wired to just live in this profound space and a mind is always talking about the form and the surface level stuff. Yeah. That's funny. So, so you went down and you camped and then you came up. Yes. So how yes. was, how was, um yeah, how was up? Yeah, the way up was so interesting because um the trail we took up, it's called the Bright Angel Trail. It's it's about 10 miles from where we camped to the top of the canyon. And it's, you know, all the way up the Grand Canyon. So it's it's, you know, a mile in elevation gain basically. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to me because I noticed very quickly, like one mile in, which is it's not even hard at that point. You're not even, you know, going up a, a steep grade yet. My brain was already saying, like, oh, I can't do this for nine more miles. Yeah. You know, and it just so quickly occurred to me, like, how far ahead of now, like, my brain is going. Yeah. Like, right now, I mean, it's literally the whole way up, right? One step in front of the other. That's, that's it. But almost immediately, my brain was like, no, I, I can't, I can't do this for that much longer. I can't do this for six more hours. And, um, it was just like a really interesting thing to see, like very clearly, because I could see that through the training, you know, I'd be, I'd be working out and, um, you know, I'd have thoughts like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't keep going. Like as I'm, as I'm going, right. I, I'm, I'm doing the workout. My brain is like, no, I can't do this anymore. Well, it's like, I'm doing it like clearly. Right. Yeah. Um, but then just, there was something about, you know, literally like just starting this hike and, and also knowing like, 
I could do this. Like I trained for this. I trained for months for this. And, and just the habit of the brain to sense that discomfort or that, I don't even know there was a lot of discomfort at that point, just like to cling on to like the uncertainty in the habit of, I, I can't do this, Yeah, you know? And you really get to see in those moments how when we, when those thoughts float by and we just take them as truth, how much that runs our life. You know, if if you if that thought showed up and it's like, oh, I can't do this, okay, you just like that could be so true for you, for any of us, and we I think that happens all the time. So to have that little bit of space again, where you are able to kind of see it as a thought, it's that's massive. And I think like being in a situation where there was there really was no other way. You know, like we had to walk back up. There's no other way to get back up. Mm-hmm. And so to hear the brain consistently throughout those 10 miles say, I can't do this. And to consistently be doing this because there's not a choice. I mean, I suppose, you know, you could pay for a helicopter to come get you or something. I don't know. But, you know, to be in a situation where it's not just like, okay, I'm just going to get off the treadmill because, you right. know, I can't do this. Right. Um it was really cool. And it was really, it just kind of solidified to me how habitual that stuff is and how it really has nothing to do with your actual capabilities or what you're doing. It's just the same stuff that it doesn't matter if I'm on a treadmill or, you know, halfway up the Grand Canyon. And my brain is just going to say like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And to and to just to be on to that and to think how often, how much in our lives we're not really on to it and then we just take it as truth. Yeah. yeah. So so did that get were there any moments on your way up that that really felt real or were you sort of always aware like no, we're doing it either way. It's going to happen or did did you actually question it at any point? Um, I, I think a little bit like towards the top. So the last two miles are the steepest of the entire hike. And obviously the most exhausted and it was really hard, like a lot harder given the training that I'd done. It felt a lot harder than I thought it was going to feel. And yeah, I mean, there were definitely points where that thinking looked a lot more true. But again, like there was no other option. And it was kind of interesting to see the reaction. Like my husband and I had very different reactions to that point of the hike. I wanted to keep stopping and resting. And he said, you know, I can't keep stopping because I I don't have the motivation to like go again. Yeah. And so it was really interesting because my brain is saying like, no, stop, rest. And his brain is saying like, don't stop, just keep going so we can get this over with. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of um, after the fact, because in the moment I was thinking of like nothing but, you know, getting a full <laughs> breath and like <laughs> the burning in my legs. Um you know, even an interesting thing to look at, like, you know, the ways our our brains say different things about the same challenge. You know, they come up with right. different, different like have tos or like we should do this, you know, to the same challenge. And and things then feel 
harder. Like it felt harder for me to keep going and it felt harder for him to stop. Yeah. Just based on like what our brains were saying. Yeah. Is that something you recognize those just, maybe not, but I'm curious, like just those different reactions to that. Is that something that you see in the two of you in other places of life? Like, does he kind of have this general, like, push through, don't think about it so much, and you have, a, like, like, a different stance on that? Or What an interesting question. Um, I think probably somewhat, yeah. I think, you know, I think I'm more of, like, once... Once that thinking gets really loud for me, I do think I kind of have a habit of like, okay, like let's let's stop, let's let's wait, let's yeah. let things calm down. Um, whereas, you know, he has never, to my knowledge, really struggled a lot with anxious thinking. And so, um, you know, I think he just kind of like keeps going through that stuff. Yeah. It's just interesting to see how we learn these different ways of coping with things, you know, from some completely, in some completely different arena of life, probably long, long ago. And then how it comes up when we're feeling under stress. Yeah. So how was it when you reached the top? Was it like some amazing moment or? Well, so what's so funny is, you know, these ideas that I had about how this was all going to feel and how this was going to look. And I really... I I remember having a moment toward the top thinking like, I thought this was going to be amazing and this sucks. Like, it's so hard. I do not feel elation right now. Like I, you know, and it was just, it was funny because it's like, I was wanting to have a different experience and that was adding to the discomfort that I was feeling. And, and, and I don't know that I was putting any of this together in a moment, but it was almost like, this is so hard and I'm not feeling the way that I wanted to feel. Um, but then we got to the top and it was just like, as soon as we stepped off that trail, I burst into tears, like ugly cried, felt so proud of myself like all the things I thought I was going to feel that I was all pouty. Like, why don't I feel the things I'm going to feel? Like those came in their own time. And there was no, there was no like orchestrating that, you know, it was just um, being in the moment. And so that was also kind of a really cool experience, you know, to see like my brain says it should look this way and it doesn't. And, you know, that's disappointing. And then it does like in its own time and in its own way. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. How, how was it like, were you kind of on a high for a while going after you went home and stuff? Did you, I don't know. I mean, it was weird because we got to the top and so proud of ourselves, you know, like we just did this amazing thing. And most of the people at the top, like they're just, you know, mingling around. They're just looking over the edge. You know, it's like 1% of people who go below the edge of the canyon, you know, who visit. So it's like, these people aren't, they're not tired. They they don't know that you just did this, this crazy feat. There's no like high fives, way to go. <laughs> um, there was one woman who overheard us, overheard me crying and was like, oh, I did that, you know, 40 years ago. And it was such an amazing experience. Good for you. But like, that was it. And so I FaceTimed my mom and my daughter. My mom um, was watching my daughter and I FaceTimed them and, you know, so like ready to be like, we did it. We're at the top. And they're like, oh, our power's out. We're trying to figure stuff out. Like, we'll call you back. <laughs> and it was like, 
Don't you hate that? I know. (laughs) Okay. Wait a minute. (laughs) So it was, it was, it was, again, it was a funny feeling of like, you know, like everyone should be celebrating me. Yeah. And what my mind was saying around that versus, you know, the fact that like, we just did this really cool thing and had an amazing experience, which was, you know, the truth of it. Yeah. I love that though. There's something in just that it just kind of keeps us humble. And and in some way it's like it, it's a balance of the good and the bad. It's also the same when you were freaking out in a panic attack years ago at some point. Somebody else was just, you know, trying to deal with their power being out. You thought the world was ending. And then now on the flip side, like it's this amazing ecstatic thing. And everyone else is just kind of going about their life. And like, I think there's something really cool in that. That life just, life just goes on and it's a little bit everything for everyone. And even our super highs and super lows, they just sort of get washed out. I don't know if that sounds negative, but it feels very like, yeah, this is just real. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think that really that really resonates with me because you know, it it really did feel like this was just a really high experience. And then it was also just still real life. Yeah. And and yeah. also, I've had really low experiences and then it's also just real life. And I think there's something to me that's kind of super comforting in that, in that like, you know, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows, but neither of those are like where it's at. Yeah. You don't have to chase highs forever. You will sometimes you can, it'll be great, but it'll be great for a few moments as a high and the low. And and it's really comforting to see the lows are the same. We don't have to avoid the lows. We always just kind of come back to the middle somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was also interesting to see before we were even done with that hike, my brain was like, okay, what's the next, what's the next thing we're going to do? Like, what's the next adventure? You know, where am I going to get that next high? Um, And so like, that was kind of interesting to see too. And that is definitely like a habit of mine in all situations, you know, on one vacation, like planning the next vacation. So to see that in this instance too, something that was like a really you know, felt like a really kind of bucket list kind of thing for me to be in the middle of it and have right. my brain thinking like, okay, what's next? You know, yeah. it's just like, yeah. oh, okay, I see. That's this. cool to see. So have you taken that seriously? Is there a next thing planned? Uh, we do have a hike planned for next August, um, which still feels really far away. Um, we're doing a 20 mile hike um, through Letchworth Park, which is where we live in upstate New York. But um, what's been really interesting that that, I think is kind of connected to some of the stuff you've been talking about um, on Changeable lately. You did the interview with Christina Bruce and talking a lot about, you know, kind of food and weight stuff. Um, I struggled with anxiety we've talked about, but also like disordered eating uh, for a long time, like way back to my preteens, you know, anorexia, bulimia, binging, restricting everything. And this period of training was the first time where it really felt separate from trying to like manipulate my body size. Um, and I was like, wow, like I, I did it. I overcame all this stuff with my body and my eating. And like, now I can just work out to be fit and to meet a goal and like, kind of like, you know, okay, like that one's, that one's done. 
And then what has been so interesting is since we've gotten back, I've wanted to continue my training to keep up my fitness level for, you know, whatever is next. And I found my brain going back to the weight and the food and like the, you know, well, if you keep training like this, you'll probably lose more weight. And it occurred to me just the other day, like it just needs an explanation, I feel like. So like when it was like, I am training for this hike, like that was the only explanation it need. We're walking uphill for an hour because I'm training for this hike. Yeah. And now it's like, I don't have that. So then it's like, okay, well, why are we walking uphill for an hour? Well, the reason we've had for the last 40 years, so we could be smaller, like, let's yeah. go with that. Yeah. And so it's been really kind of humbling to see like, oh, you know, it wasn't that I just, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so good at this understanding that I've, you know, <laughs> overcome all of this. <laughs> But then also to just see like that is an, just another like habit that was kind of unveiled, you know, through this of like, it's just looking for an explanation. And that's, that's been the most common one. So it's just, it's just going to go with that. And then how much less meaning that has. Yeah. And, and if there's overcoming it, I mean, that's kind of it. Like, yeah. like your mind's still doing it, but you see it so clearly and you're not bought into it. So that's, that's funny. I love, what I love about that is it really kind of highlights, you know, I think we think that we, we think something and then we do it. And then it's like, that's like, like our reason is why we're doing it. But I love like kind of what you said, it kind of flips that a little bit. It's like, you're just staying fit and you just, enjoy moving right now still. And then your brain after the fact is trying to explain that, you know, rather than that there is some hidden motivation in this for you ahead of time. So I don't know, I think it just does something to kind of highlight that difference. Like, like you said, it will just look for what's the reason for this. It has to make sense of everything. Yeah. And I think that's even, you know, going back to like when we were hiking up the Canyon, you know, I think so much of that, like, I can't do this. It's just making sense of like, okay, you know, I'm really uncomfortable right now. Right. I'm I'm breathing really hard. My heart is beating really fast. And then for me, I think with, with the habitual anxious thinking for so long around my health, it'll, it'll, if I, if I don't allow my attention to go elsewhere, that will then cascade into like, well, now let's come up with an explanation for this, for this thing you're feeling, right? Why is your heart beating so fast? You know, not, not because you're hiking up a mountain because you must be having like some medical emergency, you know, but I think through all of this, it's, it's the, the big, huge difference. I mean, with the health anxiety, with, you know, kind of doing things that scare me, the adventurous stuff, the, the body and the, the, fitness stuff. Really the key I do think is what we talked about, about just letting, allowing my attention to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, it's not that I don't have these thoughts. It's not that I didn't have any thoughts of, you know, is my heart okay? Like hiking up the mountain, like I did, or the canyon, like I did have those thoughts. But it's like when you just allow the next thought to come, that's that's just what happens the next thought comes and then you're still hiking up the canyon and you're still okay yeah i love that it, this everything you're sharing really just i feel like pulls out the narrator and just kind of puts it over here <laughs> and shows you know how life 
what's actually happening, what you feel called to do, what you know is going to happen. Like even that moment in March when you already felt the shift and you hadn't even done it. Like it's not the way the logical little narrator gives it to us. But I feel like in everything you've shared, it's like, oh yeah, the narrator's over here still doing this. Yet look at what's emerging. Look at what's happening. And it's just so, so huge to have, to see those separated in that way. Yeah. I want to read something really quick if I can find it. Um, I saved it this morning on Instagram. It's right here. Um, Oh, hold on. Um, So random that I just saw this and... saved it. And I've been thinking of it while we're, while you're talking, because it just feels like so much of what you've been sharing. Um, so it's a little thing by Brianna Weiss, who's a uh, author that I love. It's called, How Do You Stop Worrying? It says, you realize that the power you need to get through absolutely anything is dormant inside of you and will not be activated until the moment you need it. The version of you that will walk you forward will be born in the doorway of the moment you need them. You are not meant to contain within yourself every possible version, every iteration of who you might one day be. You do not have to embody the fighter and the lover and the healer and the maker all at once. The human spirit is the fiercest weapon on the planet and the force of all nature is inside of you. It will be awakened when you call upon it and not a second prior. It just feels like so, you know, oh my gosh, like this whole time it's been in there. You were this adventurous little kid. It was there the whole time you were struggling with anxiety. It was there the whole time you were training and planning and and hiking and all of that. And all that happens is we just worry. We think, where is it? Will it be here? Did it go somewhere? Can I do this? And all of that thinking covers it. But I just love how it's like just in the moment, your whole story shows that so clearly. It's like you clearly, you did it. So you clearly had exactly what you needed every moment. And you and maybe bigger than hiking the Grand Canyon, you've lived through major anxiety and all these other issues. And this was clearly in you, living you through all of that too. We just don't know it because we're listening to the noise so much. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your card that you shared with me that you you wrote yourself a postcard? Yeah, I sent a postcard from the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It's uh, I think it's like the last place in the United States where they send the mail by mule. So all the mail comes up on a mule. It's really cute. It gets stamped. (laughs) So I sent myself a postcard and um, it just says there's nothing that's not possible. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing this, Crystal. It's Thank so you cool. for letting me talk about it. Yeah, it's amazing. Just, um, yeah, again, I, I love that it isn't just about, oh, I accomplished this huge thing. There's so much that's been shifting all, the whole way through from this becoming a, being a thought to something you do, but just like everything you've seen along the way. It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. You've been a big part of it. If you benefit from Changeable, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a quick review on iTunes. Listener reviews go a very long way in attracting brand new listeners to this new way of seeing things. And they also show me that you're enjoying the show, which goes a long way in encouraging me to keep recording. Thank you so much for listening, reviewing, and sharing this show with others.